Welcome to the 57th ACC Now podcast. It's just been so exciting. I don't think either Steve Wiseman or or myself, Luke Cock, I don't think we can contain ourselves. 57. How do we get here? We got 57. Like we're not. It's not even a prime number. I'm thinking. Oh, that's a prime number. No, it's not. It's no. We're, we're just wait. It is. It's not a prime number. Isn't it divided by 19? I think. Uh, Three times yeah. 19 is 57, I believe. So. Eh, look at you. Look All at the right. big brain on Steve. <laughs> State school education. A little math. A little math will take you a long yeah, way. Yeah. Let the Ivy League boys be. No. <laughs> check, in with the, check in with the Missouri Valley Conference for the addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. Anyway, speaking of universities and their reputations, what a perfect segue into our first of many, first of many ACC Now podcasts. Uh, saying farewell to the Coastal Division. I can't think of anything more fitting uh, than Georgia Tech beating Pittsburgh for a, a moment of just pure distilled coastal chaos. <laughs> and I'm claiming that one, Steve. What's your favorite Coastal Division moment of the year so far? Oh, man, you stole the best one. Um, well, Georgia Tech being the first one to fire their coach. And uh, as can- Canning, not only the coach, but the athletic director who hired him. Like in one fell swoop. Let's yeah, just write you, the big you, checks. You and know. the horse you rode in on. Yes. Get out of here. So that's Love wonderful. It. And uh, yeah, so I, you know, a little bit of Georgia Tech involved in that one too, because they're, they're doing all kind of chaos this year. I, I, I tweeted this on Sunday before the, before the Panthers game, a different kind of chaotic debacle. Uh, right now in t- this week's AP poll, James Madison, the best football team in Virginia, by the way, James Madison, Coastal Carolina, and Tulane would all be the highest ranked team in the ACC's Coastal Division right now. Well, they're all better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, very they, simple. <laughs> hey, they could all be ACC teams in five years. Who knows? Uh, but it's kind of a state of the league. Let's and let's go. We'll go down the list. I mean, I think the two local teams. Not that we're going to cut them short shrift here. They're the easiest to, to deal with. So let's circle back and, and deal with them at the end. And, and Georgia Tech. Uh, having already fired Jeff Collins, did not survive the transition from Paul Johnson's triple option offense. Uh, that is going to be an interesting one. I mean, Bill O'Brien is a name I've heard a lot there uh, as a potential potential next coach. I think Brent Key, the interim coach, is going to get a look. I mean, he's a Georgia Tech guy who played for, oh, I'm going to get this wrong, Bobby Ross or Changeli? I think it was Ross. Okay. I think he's old enough to play for Ross, but anyway. Maybe yeah, they'll so bring he's, hey, he's if Carolina can bring back Mac Brown, there's no reason why Georgia Tech can't bring back Bobby Ross or Chan Gailey. <laughs> or I, mean, Chan I, think Gailey. That's, I think they're both still alive. Uh, so we, I mean, we, there's not much to say about Georgia Tech at this point, other than they'll probably beat one of the Virginia schools eventually. Uh, you saw most recently Virginia. Let's start there. Uh, first year head coach brought back a really good explosive quarterback, some wide receivers who had really good years last year. Bronco Mendenhall decides to walk away. And don't we all envy him for that? Uh, Tony Elliott comes in, and this program is just a shambles, man. They uh, they have the skill players on offense, and you bring in an offensive-minded coach who's worked with top-level athletes at Clemson, and you think that the offense won't be the problem, right? I mean, you've got you got this, but their offensive line is 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 not good, and but that's not everything. I mean, uh, the progressions that they're asking Armstrong to go through. Uh, He's not clicking with it, and uh, he's he's under throwing balls. He's just he's he's off target all all day, all night. And 
yeah, I saw him on a night when it was raining, but it doesn't matter. I mean, some of the passes were, and some of the passes were, were in receivers' hands. A couple of them were just flat dropped. Yeah, that so, happened a lot against Syracuse in a game I watched on television. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's not just like one little thing, but the whole the whole thing is is not good. Like they're not. I don't know if they don't like him. If they, you know, you know the way Mendenhall left, it was an unusual circumstance, right? It wasn't like. Like I know we'll get to talk about Duke here in a little bit, but obviously they were ready for a change. You know, they were they were really struggling. Yeah. Whereas Mendenhall had him going at a pretty high level and just decided he was going to pull the plug and walk away. So that kind of left the players a little bit weird. But uh but you know, Elliot is is saying, you know, uh, you know, I, I I've not got everybody on the same page as far as the offense. We've got a lot of work to do there. Um, it's just I, I don't see how they're gonna fix it this year at this point. Um, uh, because the offseason, they didn't get it installed correctly or, or the way it should be. And again, they have the talent. And I walked into that game, you know, Saturday night thinking they've got a talent. This team, this team beat Duke 48 to nothing last year. And uh, uh, Duke walked in, you know, a couple point favorite and won by 21. So that's quite a turnaround. 69 point turnaround. <laughs> a, very, a lot very, of the same players. Very, very nice. Very nice turnaround. <laughs> nice. Nice. Very nice. Yes. 69. 69 points oh. in 12 months. Uh, yeah, the, the the overwhelming feeling with Virginia. I mean, obviously they've got some issues. I don't think their offensive line is 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 playing very well or as well as they did last year. And the the coaching transition clearly was not has not gone well. Um, as you said, some unusual circumstances there, but uh, so much less than the sum of their parts. Whereas last year, I think it was the opposite. They were really kind of you know those wide receivers, and and they're kind of almost interchangeable parts, and they're all wearing ninety eight and ninety nine and <laughs> doing weird stuff. But Brennan Armstrong found all of them. Really did a good job distributing the ball. Just played his played his butt off. I mean, he was just a, a hair on fire kind of quarterback. And this year, it just seems like he hasn't been able to connect um, with the offense they're trying to run, which is weird because he seems like a have a pretty good football IQ and all that. I mean, maybe it maybe just we just can't tell from here. But yeah, Virginia's a weird one. I expected them to be so much better than they've been, and I think we have enough film on them enough evidence at this point to say that they're just bad. I mean, it's just a bad yeah. football team. Bad. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, Duke Duke's defensive linemen or linebackers batted down five passes at the line of scrimmage. And, uh, I know Armstrong's not a super tall guy, but that wasn't happening last year. Right. I mean, so right. it's not like he got any shorter than last year. Um, he's just not getting in the right places or the right slots or whatever. And, uh, so, I mean, that's another thing. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, maybe he and Baker Mayfield can get on a conference call and sort some of that out. Uh, let's let's stay let's stay in the Commonwealth, Virginia Tech, which went for an alum um, after firing uh, Fuente, Justin Fuente. Justin thank you, the Fuente. former Memphis guard. Yeah, thank yes. you. God, I was thinking Frank Beamer, and I was like, well, Ooh. I certainly know it's not Frank. Lord knows the Virginia fan, Virginia Tech fans are aware it's not Frank Beamer. Uh, Brent Pry, who was at Penn State, alumni. Uh, kind of comes off as Larry Fedora light on the sideline uh, and has not had a ton of early success at Virginia Tech. I mean, I, the old Dominion game, I think, I, I don't know how you come back from that. Right. You, your vaunted special teams, which has been the foundation of the program, snaps a long snap for a field goal attempt over the dude's head for an opposing touchdown. Your assistant coaches get stuck in the elevator at halftime. <laughs> And then you lose to Old Dominion, which, you know, we can talk about and, and maybe today's the day to do it. You know, on, on this podcast last week or two weeks ago, you know, Book Oregon acknowledged like we've got to as a league stop playing group of five teams on the road. We can't do it. I think 
I can't speak to it from a Virginia perspective. Maybe it makes as much sense for Virginia Tech to play at Old Dominion as it does for NC State or Carolina to play at East Carolina or App State. Like I think those are games that make sense here. I, I I don't I'm not from Virginia. I haven't lived in Virginia. I didn't go to Virginia or Virginia Tech. I don't know if those games make sense there. I find it hard to believe, given that Old Dominion hasn't been around as long as App State or ECU as a football sort of, you know, uh, a relevant football program. Uh, but that said, it's it go up there and lose that game and then continue to play. I mean, Virginia Tech made North Carolina's defense look like a cross between the monsters of the Midway and the Purple People Eaters and uh, uh, they're still not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we know what UNC's defense is. It's not that. I, it, now, ideally for North Carolina, it's somewhere in the middle. But uh, the Virginia Tech thing is baffling to me. I mean, that's a program that you know has traditionally recruited so well. The atmosphere in the stadium is great. It's still great. Um, you know, has dominated on Thursday nights. And man, there's just no sizzle at all. And Hendon Hooker is going to be a Heisman candidate. Oh, that's got to be the ultimate. Oh, look at it. All right. So dab what's, the back. Your, what's your breakdown there? Dab, dab wise. So I think to go back to your comment about playing at ODU and all that, I think, you know, in the past, Virginia Tech's made a lot of hay recruiting in the Tidewater area. Sure, absolutely. Uh, Bruce Smith, Michael Vick. Michael Vick. Yeah, yeah, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. So uh, it makes sense for them to take their team to that area. I mean, they did it without, obviously, ODU wasn't playing football then, but there's logic in that, right? Playing the game in that area, showing it, but not going in there and losing. That's not what you want to do. So um, they can't do that. But uh, but th- that's the only way that makes sense. I, maybe Virginia is the same way. They want to recruit down there, but they're not as far away from Tidewater as as uh, as Virginia Tech is. So that, that's the only thing that makes sense there. Um, but yeah, they're they're not good. They're um, uh, and maybe uh, you know the, you know the recruiting stumbled a little bit at the end of Fuente. People knew he was on the hot seat. They didn't want to come there. So it's going to take a couple of years for them to get going. I thought they'd be better than this. Now. I just thought, you know, th- that's a school that usually has the ability. Somebody can come in and, and make a little difference. They could be a little better, but they've they've gone the other way. So uh, here we are looking at uh, at the two Virginia schools, really, really bad, and and Georgia Tech. So that's that's coastal, baby. You usually have two or three teams that are just not competitive, and uh, and that those seem to be the three this year. So um, uh, you look ahead. Yeah, th- that game Saturday. I didn't think it would be that one-sided just because I knew Carolina hadn't been able to stop anybody this year. I thought if there's any team that Virginia Tech can move the ball against, it would be Carolina's defense, and they could. Yeah. <laughs> so. And they could had no chance at stopping Carolina on offense either. I mean, that no. was that was you know, I mean, Drake. We'll get we'll get, we'll get to him later, but but Ooh, I don't know that Drake May could exceed expectations any more than he has, and those expectations for him, given his family name and. You know, uh, it's it's uh, they were pretty high. So I, it, it, you know, uh, Virginia Tech Pittsburgh this weekend. I guess we let's let's talk about Pitt because God, what if Pitt can't beat Georgia Tech yeah. at home? How are they going to beat anyone? If yeah. Virginia Tech can't score than more ten point more than ten points against UNC's defense, how are they going to score? I, it just has become this battle in the coastal of, of resistible force against movable objects. So. <laughs> All right, so the so so let's let's get to the Pitt Panthers and and obviously Keaton Slovis was supposed to be maybe not a turnkey replacement for Kenny Pickett, but a a a uh, you know ready replacement. Uh, 
Oh, what's going on with Pitt? And we just have to say Pitt is Pitt. They they couldn't beat Larry Fedora, but they could beat everybody else. I mean, I, at this point, I don't even know what to think. I uh, I knew obviously the quarterback wouldn't be the same as Kenny Pickett and yeah. all that. I just want to point out for a second that you spent the no one can see this because it's an audio podcast. You spent the entire time I was asking that question, shaking your head for a good right, and shrugging my shoulders. Yes, yeah, that's the emoji. Yeah, sorry. So, please continue with Keaton. That's <laughs> that is the. That's the coastal emoji, right? Shaking my head and shrugging my shoulders. I think it's the scratching the chin, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, uh, we knew they'd have a little step back. They lost Jordan Addison also, you know, the transfer portal. So, but but you always count on Pitt being strong in the trenches. That's who they are. And uh, uh, both both sides of the ball. And, uh, you know, George Tech ran the ball on them pretty easily. Uh, they haven't run the ball much this year. Uh, they had a running back at 157 yards rushing against them. So um, uh, th- that's that's unusual. Uh, and and uh, the game was at home. Uh, you know, I, and I it's watched bizarre, them, bizarre. I watched their game against Tennessee, uh, and they've had injuries. You know, the quarterbacks haven't been healthy. They've been switching quarterbacks and all that. So, but uh, they they've run the ball well this year. Pitt has until that game. Uh, they um, uh, the Tennessee game they could have won in overtime. I mean, uh, and that's Tennessee's top 10 type team here. Right. So they're, they're moving up that that's a, I thought they were going to be okay. And then they, you know, like last year, you know, Pitt, they won the ACC. They lost to Western Michigan at home. <laughs> so I guess we shouldn't be surprised by this. They're going to have an inexplicable loss. Uh, so now we have to see, I mean, surely to God, they're going to beat the Hokies. I mean, uh, uh, this week and uh, we'll see if they, if they play better after that, they had, if that's their one clunker, they got to get out of the way and they're going to be, they're going to be fine. I, I don't know, but uh, uh, it, it was a bizarre. That game was going on at the same time Duke's game with Virginia was going on, and yeah, and the state Clemson game you were at. So uh, it was on one of the TVs in the press box, and I kept looking up, and it was like seven to six or nine what to seven. What the hell is going on here? Yeah, something's going to happen here eventually. Yeah. Pitt's going to get a couple touchdowns and run away, and they just didn't. Yeah. All right. So let's backtrack for a second. Virginia, Louisville. Who you got? Uh, it depends upon Malik Cunningham's health, um, but I I think Louisville, even though they just lost a boy, they could be in the coastal, couldn't they? They they should be in the coastal. This they year. should be in the. Co- I will say um, this: I watched this before we left that game before we left the coastal. I thought, and maybe I'm crazy, maybe I have Stockholm syndrome. I thought Louisville Boston College was an unbelievably entertaining football game. Am I insane? What about the? The fumble, the backwards pass. That was a coastal that type was a, play. That was a coastal type play. No, there was, I mean, it was, <laughs> look, it was not necessarily a uh, perfectly played game, but I, 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 it was back and forth. There was some weirdness. Zay Flowers went up and grabbed the yeah. ball among nine guys. Uh, you know, Cunningham, you have, you have a quarterback <laughs> injury. And, and I, I don't know. I, I, Boston College is bringing in running backs like the, the, like the, their the USC running student body right when <laughs> everyone they brought in would run for ten yards on this first game. I, I just I, I don't know. I found that game to be maybe I was just when you're in a hotel room in South Carolina, anything's more entertaining than the 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 alternatives. I found that yeah. I I enjoyed the heck out of the game. In fact, we delayed our departure for Clemson to see the end of it. That's how you gotta watch the end of that game. Yeah. Anyway, no, I think I think Louisville. Should win that game. I just I just laid eyes on Virginia and I saw what a mess they are. And yeah. and even let's go back to Virginia just for a second. Their defense had a lot of undisciplined type penalties, like illegal hands to the face, um, you know, pass interference, roughing yeah. the passer, just silly things that are going to get you beat. And uh, and they've been doing that a lot. 
Okay. Yeah, I I, I think Louisville, whether Malik Cunningham plays or not, if Louisville can't beat Virginia, that's a subject of a different podcast. Uh, Virginia Tech Pitt. It's got to be Pitt, right? It has to be. Has to be. Has to. I can't see him doing that two weeks in a row. What they just did. I think Narduzzi's. I hope not. Gonna They're better than that, right? I have to. I be. I think Virginia they overlooked... Tech's just not good. They're just right. not good. And I think they overlooked overlooked uh, George Tech. They fired their yeah. coach. You're thinking, a oh, it's yeah, it's a, ter- a terrible team that fired their coach and AD. We yes. don't even have to practice this week. Exactly. Yeah. Dumb, but well, God, what a terrible loss. Uh, let's get, uh, we'll call that the pit discussion. Let's get to, when we talk about this annually disappointing coastal division teams, picking Miami to win the coastal 6% of the time, it works all the time. And we're off to another classic Miami season. They lost to a team that lost to app state. So we've got, they got that going for it, but that doesn't even count losing to a directional Tennessee, a directional Tennessee state. And look, not to disparage middle Tennessee state. I mean, that's a, you know, that's a program that's got some pride and tradition and history and all that. But you would not in any universe where Miami is any good expect Miami, the U, to lose to Middle Tennessee State. Uh, you ain't I, back. All right. Now, I've been saying the U, the U hasn't been back since they got absolutely big man by Duke like 10 years ago, whenever that was. 2013, uh, and, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, nine years ago when Duke absolutely explosive played Miami to death. Uh, the turnover chain has obviously been buried somewhere. I'm the wrong person to answer this question, so I'm going to throw it to you. I, I will sell sh- sell Miami short at every opportunity. To me, Miami is like Elon Musk. It promises everything and delivers nothing. And it just messes it up for everybody else along the way. I mean, if Miami had been any good the last 20 years, the ACC wouldn't be in the fix it's in now. I mean, obviously, Florida State and Virginia Tech play a role here, but Miami's unbelievably disappointing, hard-to-watch garbage football team is a big reason why the ACC has a revenue gap. I mean, and Miami – I'm sorry. No, no, no. Stop me from ranting. They don't have an excuse. I don't think they have an excuse because yeah. – uh, and like Virginia Tech, um, they're in the Coastal. It shouldn't be that hard to dominate that division and get to the championship game more than once. I mean, Virginia Tech did it the first – what 10 12 years of the divisional yeah, they won for Virginia ACC Tech stuff. Virginia Tech BC every year correct which is the problem but um no <laughs> they, they had it going then the, you know an older coach uh, runs out of steam and that's got a transition but Miami hasn't been what they you know again they keep nah, okay, they, they ACC got year. sold a bill of goods on Miami Man. they uh they go out this year and splashy hires and crystal ball seems like he should be NIL money yeah all that and uh they got all these five star recruits, everything there. Why can't? And then, you know, not only to lose to Texas A&M a week after they lost to App State, but Middle Tennessee didn't just go in there like the Old Dominion game. Old Dominion got help from Virginia Tech. Yes, in that game, right. Yes, and it was close. It was very close. Right. Middle just Middle put forty five points off. Yeah. In in the <laughs> I was the Orange Bowl, but you know what I'm talking about down yeah. there. I mean, <laughs> that's so bad. bad. Sad. Uh, yeah, I mean, now Miami beat State last year, and then obviously Tyler Van Dyke sort of led them in the second half last year. But I just, I but find it very not, no, he's and he's yeah, that I mean, for a league that was supposed to be full of quarterbacks, there's so many of them that are, you know, I mean, you look at and we'll veer out of the coastal for a second. Obviously, Devin Leary has had issues. Uh, uh, you know, Brandon Armstrong, obviously, uh, uh, Tyler Van Dyke. I mean, it's just there's there's been there's been some issues here. So anyway. 
I I don't really have anything to say about Miami. I just I feel like it's uh you know it's a all hat no cattle. If they ever start beating people and stop losing games, they should win. We can start resuming discussion of Miami. But for the most part, I just you know would like to pretend they don't exist and move on. <laughs> Jim Phillips can't have that luxury because he needs no, it to exist. No, he's not. No, that said, <laughs> I mean I think in the year of our Lord twenty twenty two at this point, Miami's a basketball school. They've done they've far a, more than they've that. They've got an elite coach. They're coming off a Sweet 16 appearance. Enjoyed watching them, their team play last year. Fun team to watch. Great, great game to beat Auburn and down in uh, where we were, Greenville. Yeah. At Rinky Dink Arena. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, uh, uh, I enjoy watching Miami. I'm not anti Miami. I just think Miami no. football is just a perennial laugh, just a joke. And the, the, the gap between ego and performance down there is stunning that's what it is that's what it is it's it they create all the expectations with all their glitz and glamour and all that and they deliver zero less than zero less than zero <laughs> they end up going to the independence bowl or the Birmingham bowl or something like yeah, that. the sun bowl if they're lucky is it because the bulls want them because they're good for tv yes and they'd then be they good go, for TV if they yeah, win. Then they go lose to Toledo. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be great for TV if they'd actually win something. Uh, all right. So that brings us back to the triangle. The Hurricanes obviously host North Carolina this weekend. Uh, maybe UNC's defense will be the trick for Miami. But I kind of feel like UNC should, as bad as Virginia Tech is, and as, as self-inflicted as the wounds were against Notre Dame, UNC should walk away from that Virginia Tech game and into Miami feeling pretty good about its chances, not just against Miami, but uh, to me, with what we've seen from all these teams so far, even with all the issues on defense for North Carolina, the Tar Heels, I thought before the season, I still think now are the team to beat in the Coastal. Yes, I think they are right now for sure. Uh, and I, I I don't think Miami's going to be able to stop Drake May. I think that's it. They, I don't think they're going to be able to score enough points to beat North Carolina. That's what's going to happen. They, um, Tally Van Dyke will. He he's. I mean, I guess we're taping this on Monday. Uh, they had to come out and say he is going to be our starting quarterback this week today. That's how far that that's happened Crazy. for him, right? Crazy. So I, I think yeah, I think Carolina's feeling their mojo a little bit. And again, they could. You know, they got Josh Downs back playing well. Um, uh, he, he was out earlier, and uh, they got through that phase of the season. And Drake May is just you know Sam Howell 2.0. He comes as a true freshman. Here we go. We're going to play well. He's got sand too. He's not um, afraid to put his body on the line. Yeah. He's really, you know, I, I look forward to seeing him in person in a couple of weeks here uh, under the primetime lights at Wallace Wade Stadium. Eight o'clock starts. We've taken the worst thing about basketball and brought it to football. Uh, who'd you vote for for preseason player of the year? Devin Leary. Yeah. I vote for Josh Downs. Although injuries aside, I think he could still get there. Yeah, that's a different. That's the, what's wrong with NC State's offense is a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, because I thought I knew he lost some playmakers, but I thought their offensive line was good enough, and and they just uh, he he had been so good last year. I just felt like he was gonna, you know. Yeah, no, him, I, I did too. I mean, I just because I didn't vote for him for preseason player of the year didn't. I mean, I thought he was going to be at this point a, a working his way under the Heisman radar. But yeah, I mean. The, the, uh, they've got one receiver he can count on and guys haven't developed and guys can't catch the ball. And he's doesn't Leary doesn't look like he has a ton of confidence right now. Offensive line does miss Ike Iquano like that. They miss him. Not that they, they knew they were going to miss him. Anyway, that was all in my column off the Clemson game. Mm -hmm. Look, and, and Dave Doran said on Monday, you know, it's 
Leary's got to do a better job delivering the ball. Receivers have to do a better job running routes, getting 50-50 balls. He didn't mention the play calling. The play calling hasn't been very good either. I mean, I think that's a multifaceted issue. Um, you know, the running game has been an issue. Um, you know, Jordan Houston, eh, we're getting we're getting off track here. Yeah. Uh UNC, though, I I I still have questions even after the Virginia Tech game. It it does feel like something's off with that defense. Something is not right because the the, the individual talent is clearly there. You can see it. I mean, the recruiting rankings may not always be correct, but typically taken as a large group, the margin for error tends to even the margin of error tends to even itself out a little bit. Um, the individual players, the NFL scouts love them. Miles Murphy and, and, you know, the linebackers, I think power Eccles has been great. Mm-hmm. Um, the cornerbacks very highly touted, obviously health is an issue with storm doc, but you know, Tony Grimes taking a shot at the teammate didn't look great in the Notre Dame game. And that was so my, uh, you know, maybe the players only meeting him, you know, before the Virginia tech game got them on the right track. It feels like as much a, and, and, and look, I've said this before on this podcast, I've written it. I saw what Gene Chizik did with a terrible defense immediately. So I have a reasonably high degree of confidence in Gene Chizik to do that again. Something else, it's, it's, I don't think it's scheme. Something else is off there, but maybe they've got it fixed. And if it is something like chemistry or everyone being on the same page, that does feel like something you could maybe fix in a week if you do it right. right. So maybe maybe they're maybe they're going there. But man, they, you know the the talent the Tar Heels have on offense, not just downs, but you know, Marion Hampton's been mm-hmm. really good, you know, and, and and obviously Drake May's been lights out. And and they have three, it's 2022, they have three tight ends and they find a way to get the ball to all of them in the red zone, it seems. I mean, that's, but, you know, look at other teams we've talked about that are struggling on offense. Give the Tar Heels credit for finding ways to make the most of the players they have. And if that means throwing the ball to Kamari Morales or Copenhaver or whoever the, the third tight end is I'm blanking on right now, you know, then do it. And if that makes you hard to defend, I think it does make UNC hard to defend in the red zone. That's, uh, you know, then then more power to you. It's not, there are not a lot of issues for UNC on offense right now, but if they can get that defense turned around. They go to me from front runner to lock in the right. coastal. Just I, not that UNC is a great team necessarily, but man, the rest of this division is terrible. Okay. Which brings us to the team you cover, the Duke Blue Devils, who go to Georgia Tech this weekend um, in what should be on paper, a walkover for the Blue Devils. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the turnaround, because you and I know, kind of have seen what's changed there. It really was more than a coaching change. Uh, obviously, Mike Elko's done a really nice job, but it feels like an atmosphere change, feels like a mentality change, uh, institutionally, among the fans, among the players. Um, and, and no one's trying to to, to slam David Cutcliffe here, but it's pretty clear things the last two years had gotten stale. I don't think anyone realized just how stale until things change this spring. Absolutely. Uh, you know, lethargic is is how, I looking back on it now, I kept thinking that, and I, I wrote this, I mean, you know, um, he had done it before. Uh, he, you know, he took him to the Coastal Championship, all that kind of stuff. They had, a, they had a losing season in 2016, Daniel Jones' first year. Then they went to bowl games the next two years. So you thought, okay, he's he's built it. They took a step back. They built it again. We'll see if uh, uh, surely he can figure this out again. And he, and he just didn't. It just, whatever they were saying, the guys weren't hearing. Yeah. Uh, and maybe it was, uh, we talked about brain drain and all that kind of stuff, right? They 
they replaced you know experienced guys with GAs and things like that. So, uh, but this group came in. They brought in a new you know strength guy from from Miami, uh, David Feely, and uh, you know got the guys going in the offseason. A lot of guys have totally changed their bodies, that kind of thing, in the best shape of their lives. You know, like spring training. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we heard all that. But uh, it, whatever they're saying, the guy the guys are here in this year. I mean, it's just a a more modern approach to running a college football program, and that's not you know, a knock on cut because he just hadn't been in that element for a long time. I mean, uh, Tennessee's a, you know, a program that's, you know, Elko was at Notre Dame. He was at Texas A&M, all the modern stuff they're doing that ha- is happening. Yes. All the modern things that are happening in college football, he's been a part of at the highest level. And he brought some of those things to Duke and uh, it's working and it's uh, you know, everybody's they're buying in. I mean, th- just the, the turnover thing is the most Incredible. dramatic change incredible and it's not just you know some of that stuff can be deceiving where you know a guy throws a pass and it should be intercepted the guy drops it or whatever right but you look at the pro football focus has that stat turnover worthy plays riley leonard has two turnover worthy plays in five games that's incredible yeah. considering what we've seen in the last couple of years well like and even turnovers you know and even by uh, by extension, looking at what Chase Bryce has done the last two years at App State, uh, right. you know, it just it's it's you can just sort of see see how things are different. What what do you think? Uh, forgetting about whatever happened in the past, clean slate. What do you think the number one thing is that Mike Elko has done right so far? Admittedly, it's still early. Has done right with the Duke team. Uh, well, I mean, the turnover thing is the biggest thing because uh, I, I have to go back to that because. Because they're still not tackling. They're still not a very good tackling team. They're, okay. they're, they have some problems there. How would you uh, assess the pass rush? Um, Yeah, they're getting more there. And they're not, but they're still not very good on third down. Okay. They're one of the worst uh, defensive-wise third down conversion teams in the conference. Uh, so they still have work to do there. So I, I don't want to give them too, too strong a grade on that. <laughs> That's why I have to go back to the offense and what they're doing with turnovers. Because if they were turning the ball over now, they'd be one and four. <laughs> Instead yeah. of four and one. So that that's the main thing. And, and then uh uh you know, Riley Littered is in such he's such a good rhythm all the time now. Um and, and you you were there opening night when they when they shut out when the defense shut out Temple, which you know that's Temple wasn't very good. So no. that doesn't you know make them look as good. But uh but yeah, they they um uh and the tackling was better Saturday night against Virginia than it was against Kansas a week earlier. So they 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 can improve. I mean, uh, but they're the defense is forcing more turnovers, and the offense doesn't turn the ball over. So the turnover yeah. margin is dramatically better. Uh, they haven't finished with you know they haven't won the turnover margin for a season since 2014, which is something that uh, that Elko has pointed out many times. That's why Duke hasn't been a very good program. So they that was job one was to fix that, and five games in, he's done it. All right, I'm on the record taking UNC to win. The coastal before the season i'll stick with that now yeah who did you pick before the season and who are you picking now i had pitt uh because i didn't i wasn't buying the miami hype You're smart and man not smart gonna get man. burned that way um now not to be boring but i think carolina because i still think you know duke's got some problems on defense that that well, Carolina does too, right? So, <laughs> um, Duke does have that game at home, but I'm, I'm just not ready to pick them to win the 
division like after yeah well, they lost. I, I, that's just too far for me to go now they could do it i guess because it's not you could be five and three and win this division in the conference yeah so, certainly possible i mean i i think i think duke and pitt have a chance if things fall their way i mean i still think so and 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 but i and in miami too like i for all we discount miami they, they haven't actually lost an acc game yet yeah um so that their their slate is clear but i think we can discount it at this point the two virginia schools in georgia tech um and it really is and unc and then the other three and then the other three it just feels like that's where we're headed and that's the way the coastal is like you can we can sit here and point out major flaws in these teams and still say they they got a chance to win the division yeah and meanwhile <laughs> wake and syracuse and state are all stuck behind clemson again any of which would far and far and away be the best team in the coastal but that's the acc no that's the acc that is it's the acc that was it is not the acc that will be uh that's that's the coastal lord will miss it this time next week we'll be on our way to charlotte for basketball media days we'll have a bunch of good stuff out of there not in the next episode but after that uh steve uh, has our our fancy acc now podcast sign for our table on radio row again you can't see this but it's it's classic ah, i, I tweeted about it back in july or august when were we in charlotte july that was july july it seems like years ago um so we'll be doing that again and and hopefully we'll have some good stuff with with uh all of our local teams maybe we'll get some quality time with someone like mike bray or mike young to liven things up josh pastner we'll do a, a banner seven hour podcast with josh pastner steve Looking forbes maybe so, oh yeah 20. steve forbes yeah oh my no, gosh well, steve the steve the podcast we did last spring that when i sat down with steve forbes remains one of the most popular ones we've ever done because we boy did we ramble on and we're <laughs> rambling in now thank you steve uh you will be in atlanta uh to be determined to be determined and i will be in in west raleigh but not the panthers on sunday so that's a win we'll for see. you <laughs> i'm Get gonna take hobby. i'm gonna take my own advice and stop watching uh <laughs> thanks for thanks for listening everybody we'll be back next week